is it too much rock? Is there too much, like, not enough nutrients in the soil? So you have to find good, fertile soil in order for this seed to grow. And so it has to have fertile soil. And so the seeds have the potential to produce 10 times as much as what you originally plant. You know, you have a little tiny, like, watermelon seed, and you plant that in the ground, and if you take care of it, it can produce, like, 100 watermelon if you want it to. Um, so this tiny little seed has the ability to become something massive if you take care of it. And so the seed has all of this potential all of this power to produce something, but it has to be sowed into the right soil. And in this passage, Jesus says that the seed represents God's word. So God's word has the potential to grow all of this good things in us, but we have to be receptive to receiving God's word. So God's word is good, and it's perfect, and it's infallible. His scripture is the truth, and the word of God is life and breath to us. And God's word is a seed that has the potential to produce love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, and strength when in us. But only if our hearts are open to receive God's word. God's word can only take root and grow in a heart that is receptive and open. So the problem is never with God's word, but the condition of our hearts. Okay, God's word is perfect and infallible. There's nothing wrong with it. His word is good. The problem is always with our heart, whether or not our heart is in the proper condition to receive God's word. Just as the seed has just as much potential to grow things if it's placed in proper soil, God's word has the potential to produce something in us if we're open to receive it. And so that's kind of what Jesus is talking about in this word, because the Bible speaks of several different instances where people could not receive God's word because their hearts were too hardened to receive it. Like Jesus would preach and he would teach and do all these miracles, but people wouldn't believe it because their hearts were too hardened to receive it. Even disciples, the disciples who walked with Jesus every single day and went with him wherever he went and saw him day in and day out, they witnessed... Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. You may remember the story. But it says in the scripture that they still didn't believe the significance of the miracle because their hearts were too hard to take it in. So even the disciples who witnessed this miracle firsthand of taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000 with it still didn't believe it, understand it because their hearts were too hard to receive it. They couldn't understand it because their hearts were too hard to take it in. And so we can also witness God's miracles firsthand, but it is meaningless if our hearts are too hard to understand it. We can see all these miracles, we can hear God's word, we can show up day after day, week after week, but it's meaningless and produces nothing if our hearts are too hard to receive it, if they're not open to it. And so, like I mentioned earlier, Jordan and I have been studying the book of James with our teens on, high, on Sunday nights. And so this is from James 1:21. It says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So notice it says that God's word has the power, the potential to save your soul, but only if you accept God's word. God's word has this power, this potential, but only if you accept it, only if you believe it, only if you take it in does it have the power to actually save you and change you and redeem you and make you a new creation. And so the question is, is, is our hearts open to receiving his word? 
Are we allowing it to take root and develop in our life? Is there any fill for evil that is preventing us from accepting God's word? And that's something we kind of have to analyze this morning. Because in the parable, Jesus describes four different hindrances we encounter when we come to receiving and accepting God's word. And so if we want to see fruit produced in our life, we need to check the condition of our hearts. And so it starts with the seed that fell on the footpath. So that's the very first type of hindrance we see here is that the farmer scattered some seed and the seed falls on the footpath and then the birds came and ate it. So it never even got to the soil. It just stayed on the sidewalk, the walking path the whole time. Farmer scattered it and it didn't even get to the soil. Just stayed there and then the birds came and ate it. And so Luke 8, 12 explains the meaning of this. Luke 8, 12. It says the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. And so your heart may represent the seed that fell on the, the sidewalk. The enemy comes and takes away God's word before it has the chance to take root in your heart. Because the enemy knows the power of God's word. The, the enemy, when Jesus was tempted, used scripture to try and tempt Jesus. So the devil understands scripture, knows scripture, knows the power of it, and the devil knows the potential that comes if his word actually gets a chance to get rooted in your heart. And so the enemy will do whatever it takes to prevent you from believing God's word, for you taking it with 100% certainty that it is true. Because he knows that even if you have even just a mustard seed of faith, just a little tiny bit of faith, that you can move a mountain with that. And so he's going to stop you from even believing even for an ounce that what the scripture says is true and that the Bible is real. He's going to even prevent it from trying to even get in your heart. That's what the enemy wants to do because he knows the power that's produced from believing God's word, even if it's just a little bit. And so the purpose is to, for, to hear God's word, to believe it, and be saved. And the enemy wants to hinder this process as much as possible. And he's fine with you hearing God's word. He's okay with you coming in here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, hearing God's word. The problem is believing what you hear. And that's what he's going to try and stop. Not you from showing up, not from you being here, but from you believing it. Because there's a difference from sitting in here and listening week after week, but then there's a difference when you actually believe it for yourself. And so that's what the enemy wants to stop, is you believing God's word and taking it, not just from something I say or pastor says, but something you actually believe. And so that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to doubt that God's promises are true or that God's promises apply to you. It's one thing to know God's promises and another thing to actually believe they're for you. And so the enemy wants you to not believe that. The enemy wants you to question God's goodness. He wants you to doubt what the scripture says. And so the best tactic the enemy used to prevent you from believing God's word is doubt. He will sow little tiny bits of seeds of doubt because for every seed of faith that's being grown in your heart, he wants to sow another seed of doubt because that doubt will prevent your faith from growing. And it's the very same tactic the devil used in the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. Because God told them, cannot eat from this tree. But when the enemy came, he whispered in Eve's ear, did God really say that? Did he really say you couldn't eat from this tree? It's all about questioning what God said. Even though you heard it clearly and you know it's true, the enemy wants to make you believe or question, did he really say that? 
Is that really 100% true? And even moments after Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened up and God audibly said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The enemy came and tempted him later in the wilderness and said, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. And so he wants to get us with questions and ifs. If this is true, then why is this happening? Or why is this happening to me if this is what God's word says? And so he wants to sow seeds of doubt and if statements into our heart because the same, the enemy wants you to doubt and question what God has clearly spoken. He wants you to doubt what God has clearly said in his word. Because did God really say that you are a new creation? Did God really promise to give you a hope in a future? Did God really say that he would work all things, even the bad things, for your good? And are you really a child of God? Those are the type of questions he wants to sow into our heart to make us doubt. Because even as you hear God's word, you can be sitting in here and listening, but even as you listen, you may also be wondering, how can this possibly be true? Or how does this apply to me? Or this doesn't apply to me. I'm a, this is not part of my life. And so the enemy will feed questions of doubt into your mind to prevent you from believing God's word. Because you can hear it week after week, but it's nothing more than seed tossed on the sidewalk because your heart is prevented from believing it. So that's one type of soil, one type of condition that we may have this morning. The second one is rocky soil, is what the parable talks about, is rocky soil. And so the farmer scatters seed and some falls on shallow soil with underlying rock. So there's soil, but there's like a whole rock layer underneath it. And so the seed sprouts quickly because the soil, the soil is shallow. And on the surface, everything looks fine. On the surface, you can see a little sprout, you can see green leaves, and it looks cute and nice and like you're having success. But the moment the sun comes out, it dies, it wilts because it had shallow soil. The roots were not deep enough. And so on the surface, you will see the growth. But if you were to look beneath the surface where you cannot see, the soil is too shallow, and there's a layer of rock preventing the plant from developing deep roots. So as soon as the sun comes, as soon as summer comes, it's going to die. It doesn't have deep roots. So plants need deep roots in order for it to survive the elements. In order for it to thrive, they need deep roots. And the same is true for us. We need deep roots if we're going to endure and survive the trials of life. We need deep roots. And we do not want to be a shallow church. We do not want to be a congregation who on the surface everything appears fine. Outwardly, we come to church and we sing during worship and we do all the right things to maintain an appearance on the surface. And, but if we were to look beneath the surface, what would our hearts look like? Would we see deep roots or would we see shallow soil that's going to wilt and die as soon as trials come? If we were to look beneath the surface, do we see a faith that is able to endure when trials come or do we see a faith that's going to die the moment hardship arrives? We don't want to be a shallow church that doesn't have deep roots because obviously I cannot look into your hearts. I cannot see the condition of your heart. That's between you and God. But let's have a moment of like self-reflection. So ask yourself, has God developed deep roots of faith within your heart? Not just anyone's heart, but your heart. And is there a layer of rock preventing God's word from taking root in your life? Because if we could just remove that underlying layer of rock, we would be able to thrive regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the hard times or the good times. We would be able to have the same faith and belief regardless because of deep roots. 
And so if our hearts are stoned or softened, we would be able to see abundant fruit produced in our lives. And so this is what it says in Luke 8, 13. Luke 8, 13. It says, The seeds of the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. And so our hearts may represent this rocky soil that we see here. Because we hear God's word on Sunday mornings and we instantly receive it with joy and instantly believe it. And we know for a fact that it's for us. We don't doubt. We don't question. And we instantly believe with full confidence. And his word does take root in our heart. But the moment trials come, that's when we start losing faith. The moment hardships come, that's the moment we start losing faith in God and what we believe. And the moment we face temptation, we begin to fall away little by little. And the moment problems arrive, we start turning away from God. We don't have a faith that lasts, some of us. Because it's easy to hear God's word preached in this type of setting, you know, where you're surrounded by believers and you have other people encouraging you and praying for you. And it's easy to believe when everybody else is worshiping. But what happens when we return to our homes and our workplaces and it's just you? Uh, What happens when we leave here and we become tempted to sin? Or what happens when we start encountering problems in our life with our family and our homes and our kids, whatever it may be? What happens when the world starts promoting what the Bible doesn't promote? What happens when the Bible says one thing but the world says another? Do we have the same belief and faith? A faith that's able to last and endure through the hardships? Or do we turn away the moment we face a hard season? The moment hardships come. Because those with rocky soil receive God's word instantly, but their faith does not last. It's short-winded. It's short-term. So God's word starts to grow within us, but it wilts and dies the moment we face trials. And Pastor has spoken on this topic several times about how we worship God and praise God only in the good times. But the moments we face hardship, we stop praising, we stop praying, we stop seeking God. And we stop showing up. And our pastor has said once on occasion that the American church today cannot endure hardships and trials without falling away. That we don't have enough people who have a deep faith that endures through hardships. And so we need a faith that will endure because Jesus himself said that trials will come. He promised it. He said it would happen. We can expect it. And so this is what it says in James 1, chapter 1, 2 through 4. So James is talking about faith and endurance here. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So it says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And obviously, troubles does not sound very joyous to you, Does it not? Does that sound like a great time for everybody? Jesus is like, okay, you're going to have troubles. And how many of you guys are like, yes, Lord, give it to me. Let's go. Like, no, no, nobody likes troubles. No one likes hardships. And that's not our first reaction to have joy. That's not our first instinct. But that's what James said we should choose to have instead is joy and troubles and hardship because our faith has a chance to grow. Because our faith grows in seasons of hardships more than in seasons of plenty. We see that our faith grows and we develop deeper roots when we go through hardships and trials because the same rain that's threatening to destroy us can also be developing our roots. 
And we just don't see it, and we just don't know it in that moment. And so that is what James is saying, that we have to let our endurance grow in hardships. Instead of giving up and dying away and wilting under the sun, we should grow instead. We should endure instead. We should thrive instead because our faith develops in that season, and it will be stronger and perfect and complete, meaning nothing at the end of it. All right, so the third type of soil that we need to talk about is thorns, okay? So the farmer scatters some seed, um, and the seed falls into soil that has thorns mixed into it. Um, and so this is what it says in Luke 8, 14. It says, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity, and so our heart may represent the seeds that fall amongst the thorns. We hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out or choked out by the worries and the cares of this life. The lure of wealth, the desires for other things, so no fruit is ever produced because it's choked out by thorns. So God's word cannot take root and produce a harvest in our life if our house is crowded with worry and earthly desires. Worry and earthly desires crowd out every bit of God's word that's trying to take a root in our life. So we need to kind of look and see, is there something that I'm overly worried about? Or is there something in this world that I desire more than I desire God? Because all of these worries we carry can choke out little by little God's word. And we cannot fully receive and believe God's word because our heart is too consumed with worry and anxiety and fear. And so we worry about lots of things, like our jobs, our friends, our appearance, what other people think of us. And worry can slowly choke the life out of any growth that's trying to flourish in our life. Worry can choke out any joy or any peace that you're trying to experience and produce in your life. And it can choke out any bit of faith that is slowly beginning to rise up within us. And so our hearts can become too crowded by the worries and cares of this life. And so that's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, do not worry about your life. He says it over and over and over again in that chapter. Do not worry about your life because Jesus promised to take care of us, provide us with everything we need because we are valuable to him. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. He cares about each and every single one of us in this room so we can give him our worries and we can give him our cares and it's not too heavy for him. He can bear it when we cannot. Because we have a lot of worries, we have a lot of cares, too much for us to carry on our own, so that's why we have to give them to God. We have to give every worry and every anxious thought and every fear that we have over to a God who cares for us who loves us, and if we cling to our worries, it will quickly choke out God's word, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it to worry and spend every single day in anxiety and fear when God has promised you peace and joy if you would just give it to him, if you would just let him take care of it, the one who knows your tomorrow before you do. And so scripture says that the thorns also represent how God's word can be crowded out by the lure of wealth and the desire for other things like the pleasures of this life, like riches and fame and opportunity, platforms, all of these things uh, that a lot of people on social media are seeking is attention, platforms, big names, <laughs> Hollywood. The world tries to tell us that we have the right to do what we want and what we desire. The world tells us, oh, you do you. Whatever you want to do, whoever you want to be, go for it. That's what the world tries to tell us, that we can please ourselves, and, and we can develop slowly a desire for everything but God. 
And it's okay to have wealth. It's okay to have money. Those things aren't bad, but our wealth, our gold, our fame often becomes more precious to us than God. And we begin to value material things more than God. And this is what Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So we have to store up our treasure in heaven and internal things. That God has to be our greatest desire above every other things because where the desires of our heart is, that's also where our treasure will be. We must put our hope and faith in things that have eternal value, not the things that are going to perish when once we leave this earth. We ha- God has to be our greatest desire above all else. And so finally, we're getting to the good part of the parable where Jesus talks about the good soil, the fertile soil. This is the soil that we are trying to achieve. This is the kind of heart that we want to have when it comes to receiving and believing God's word. Because it says that the farmer scatters seed and some does fall in fertile soil. And that seed grows and produces a crop that's a hundred times as much as what's planted. So this little tiny seed goes into some good soil and it actually produces a crop that's a hundred times more than that. And so Luke 8.15, this is what it says. And the seed that fell on the good soil represent good, honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. And so the goal was for our hearts to be fertile soil for God's word. The goal was for there to be no thorns and no rocks to hinder the process, that we wouldn't have any worry, that we wouldn't have any doubt, and that we would receive God's word and that we would cling to it. The goal was for us to hear it and believe it and accept it and cling to it in hard times because we want to see a harvest produced in our lives. We want to see joy and love and peace produced in our lives. We want to see God's word grow within us so that we can mature in our faith. And we want God's word to be deeply rooted within us so that we can face whatever trial we face, whatever hardship we grow through without slipping away. And only being rooted in God's word are we able to endure. Are we able to make it through? Because in hard seasons, the only thing that often gets us through is reminding ourselves of God's word and what he says and of his promises. Because we need to believe God's word without even a shred of doubt, without even a hesitancy in our hearts and our minds. And so if our hearts are truly fertile soil and truly good soil, we will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control produce in our lives. If our hearts are truly fertile, we will obey God's word and turn away from sin. We will get rid of all the filth and all the evil in our life that may be hindering us, and we will seek him only above all else. And the harvest takes time. It may not be immediate, because if I sow watermelon seeds today, I'm not going to see a harvest until weeks or months from now. And the same goes for God's word. You may receive God's word and believe God's word today, but you may not see a harvest for it for days or weeks or even months, and that's okay. God's word is still taking root in your life even if you don't see a harvest yet. God's word is developing within you, even if you don't see fruit produced yet. It's taking time, because beneath the surface, there are roots growing deeper, often before you see something sprout up on the surface. And so that's often what happens with us, too, is we have deep roots growing. We may not even see anything yet, but they're growing. It's developing. We have faith, and we have to have the roots before we can see fruit sometimes. 
And so in those seasons, we just have to be patient. We have to patiently wait, and God will reward us with a harvest in time. And so we need to assess our hearts this morning. How is the soil of our heart? Do we have a heart that is receptive to God's word? Is our heart fertile soil? And so I'm going to close if the worship team wants to come up. So I just want to share one more verse with you guys, because sometimes we're not even aware of the true condition of our heart. Sometimes we may be sitting here, and I'm like, I don't know where I fall at, or I'm not sure what my heart looks like. And this is what Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, and this is a very important verse. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of life. So you may need to pray and ask God this morning to search your heart, to point out anything in there that offends him, because sometimes you may not even know what's in your heart. But if you ask God, if you invite him in and say, search me, I'm open, I'm willing, I'm listening, point out anything in me that offends you, that is keeping me from developing deep faith, that's keeping me from having a deeper relationship with you. Point out any worry or fear or desire in me that's preventing deep roots from taking place. And God will show you. If you are faithful and patient enough to ask, God is good enough to show you those areas, and you just have to be willing to fix them and to address them. And so he will show you where your heart is hardened. And he's not trying to condemn you, but he's just trying to exchange your heart of stone for a heart of flesh, a flesh that's open to receiving his word, that's open for developing a deeper relationship with him. And he wants to give you... All right, there we go. Dead battery, but we got it. Okay, so only fertile soil can produce a harvest of faith from God's word. So God's word has the potential to grow and produce a harvest within us, but only if our hearts are in the proper condition. Only if our hearts are in a good enough condition to receive it. So we have discussed doubt. We have discussed hardships and worry and the pleasures of life that can prevent us from completely receiving God's word. So if everybody can just kind of stand here in this place as we're getting ready to transition into our altar time. So I want everyone to access their heart this morning and kind of look and see where is your heart at. I want your prayer to be this morning to search my heart, God, and point out anything within me that offends you. So I want everybody to spend this time in prayer as we get ready to worship. And if you need special prayer for anything at all, you're welcome to come up front. We'll pray for you.